Lovers quarrel. It's a long sustained quarrel. What's going on, world? Hey, everybody. It's your guy, TJ, Mr. New Cool. And it's your girl, Danny. You're typically tired, taper. What's a taper? It's a, it's a mammal. Um, is it? I don't know about the taper that you get from like your pants. No, it's like, I might, I'm, I could be mispronouncing it actually, so I don't want to be. How do you spell it? T A P E R? I R. But it's a, um, it's a mammal. It's kind of like a pig. So, it's kind of like. It's a, I think it's tapir. Tapir. Maybe that's what I'm mispronouncing it. That's an, it looks like the shit off of Lion King. Like a warhog? Kind of. Oh. Uh, yeah, anyway. I think it's a tape taper. But anyway, that's what I am. Typically tired taper. And welcome to another episode of Lover's Coral. Um, we're coming to you a day late and a dollar short, but that is all okay. yeah, words. That is a-okay and all right, because... Tea- I'll take blame for it this time, so um, I had just gotten back from Mobile, Alabama, and mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I got, got back it. late, and, you know, I left my uh, work phone in, in my Uber, so that was a fun thing. Um this trip was just weird for me, right? I was trying something different, you know. I bought this garment bag. I'm a, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm gonna be a little bit more sophisticated. Make sure that my suits and stuff is don't don't wrinkle. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, I didn't have a book bag, so I had to walk around with my laptop in my hand. Or um, one of my staff members uh, allowed Carry me carry for you. Yeah, she put it in, in her bag for me. Um, so that happened. I forgot my belt. So. That was something like one thing about me. I like my order. I like doing things the way that I normally do it because if I don't do it that way, then I wind up forgetting something or things get messed up. So I like do things in in a certain way. So you, you thrive when off of routine and procedure. I do. You're more. You're more. Um, organized. You're more. I mean, I'm, obviously, most people thrive off of routine and procedure, but. TJ is a arguably more um, disorganized or scatterbrained person sometimes. Um, so when he had, I, I feel like when you have like a more set or strategic routine and procedure for things, like you, it helps make you like calmer and like less agitated and less forgetful. Possibly so. Possibly. You don't think that that's true? Richard? Sure. Okay, so we're going to be lying this episode. Got it. Anywho. But yes, we're here. We're recording. We are a day late. But like we said on our post today, we were going to record today. Get this out to you guys so that way we can catch you up on what's been going on. So let's do that right now. Um, and we are going to get on our elevator. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Are you going up or down? Up. I'm going up too, so. Going up. Um, you know, being away and I don't know. I've been getting more sentimental lately. Um, you know, I'm really thankful for, for my family and the family that I have and you know I'm able to do the things that I want to do in life because of them. You know. Um me and Danny have a very powerful village. That I'm so thankful for, you know, her side, my side mm-hmm. is our side. So it's just one side, but it's just, we have that. And then I'm, I'm really able to 
be great in life because of my wife. Like I'm able to do the things that I need to do. I'm able to accomplish the things because I have the partner that I have. So I'm thankful for that. And um, that's why I'm up. I'm just, you know, I'm just. Things can always be worse, but I, I just feel like family, like when you have that family, like, you know, when I was going through when I was miserable and I had things going on in my life, my family was there. Mm-hmm. They were the ones checking on me. They were the ones being intentional and stuff like that. They got me through my darkest moments. So, you know, that doesn't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, shout out to y'all. Y'all are dope. So, well, you're welcome. And on behalf of your, the rest of your village, I'm sure they would say you are welcome as well. Um, I am going to keep the party going and going up. And, um, like TJ mentioned, he was away for the weekend for work. And um, similar to last weekend, we, uh, myself, Tatum, but this time my mom and my sister, we, the four of us went back to the National Harbor uh, because TJ uh, reserved us a weekend, um, another weekend hotel stay because he knew that he wasn't going to be here. So he was like, you know, it'd be a, a fun thing for Tatum because even prior to TJ and I having our anniversary anniversary weekend at the hotel back in March, in February, my sister and I did like a sister weekend and Tatum again also expressed interest in wanting to do a girl, quote unquote, girls weekend. So TJ, you know, helped make that happen when he saw the time and the opportunity for us to, you know, get away and go back there. So Tatum, of course, got her life and lived and had the best time. And um, and it was great and memories were made. And, you know, I even had a really good com- conversation with, um, you know, my mom and my sister because I guess... I don't know if I, I don't, I don't want to say get too heavy into the conversation about my mom and my sister when we talk on the show, but like I am very close to them and they are definitely like to TJ's point, such a pivotal part of my life, our lives. So it was nice to be able to kind of just hang out with the, with the, the two of them kind of uninterrupted and for us to like be there together as mother and daughters and, and mother and me and mother and daughter to, uh, to Tatum, um, and it was just really, really dope. And my other part of my great weekend is that I got to see my line sisters, um, most of them, not all of them, but we, our anniversary was in April. And, but last weekend was, this past weekend was the first time that all of us or most of us could get together. Excuse me, y'all. <sighs> Pregnancy, exhaustion. Um, so, you know, some of my line sisters I haven't seen since like last summer. Some of them I haven't seen since last, like, over a year ago um so it made me really happy we did like a private candle making class um we got food catered it was really really cute and we are i would like to think that we are all very like you know successful established working women yes um and so we we you know we had paid my last sister raisha that's my boo um uh she organized it because it was her year since it was our 14th deltaversary and she's our 14th um so yeah basically we got that done and um we had a great time catching up talking shit eating and making candles so that's my elevator and i'm really 
grateful for having had the time to spend. And I want to thank TJ publicly, um, as I have thanked him already in private for, you know, creating that opportunity for me. Who you thank me? I definitely... I'm, I'm playing with you. Oh, God. Because you play too much. Anyway, so yeah, I'm just thankful for that. And again, because it's a great time for me to spend with my mom, my sister, and my daughter. And like, you know, as Tatum was calling it, girls day, girls day. It was really nice. Um... But yeah, that's my elevator. So now, we're going to, again, keep things moving right along. It is time for our relationship tip of the week. Um, I can start us off. Sound good? Go ahead. All right. So my relationship tip of the week, which I will expound upon a little bit, is that compromise works best when all of the cards are on the table. Yeah, explain that. So what I mean by that is um, in relationships of all types, you know, you're not always going to be on the same page about everything, right? Agreed? Yes. But the goal... I nodded, sorry. Yes. The goal is, of course, to if you can't convince the other person to kind of join your side or whatever, you try to find a meeting in the middle. You want to compromise on something. But... If you aren't being transparent, if you aren't communicating your truest feelings or concerns or hesitations or reservations, whatever it might be, or fears, anger, whatever, if you're not being transparent and kind of putting that out on the table as you're talking through the compromise process, then really, even though you might be on the surface compromising, you're setting yourself up to be potentially be like resentful is what I feel like. So, um, and I say that from like personal experience because I have done that in the past and it's something I try not to do on a more, in my current life. But I know that there's been times where in the past where TJ and I are diametrically opposed to something and we think we're coming to a compromise, but I didn't really, for for whatever reason, I didn't really share all of my feelings about something or all of my fears or concerns, whatever. And so while there has been compromise agreed upon, I have not always, but I sometimes I've been left with like feelings of like feeling unfulfilled with the compromise or uh, sometimes resentful of the compromise and I know that that's not a good feeling. So just kind of like when I thought about the tip and reflecting on the past instances of that, um, it made me think that like, you know, in order for compromise to work most effectively in a relationship with a person, there has to be, of course, communication and transparency on that subject. And so you got to put your cards on the table. So that way, you know what what you're operating out of. And that is my relationship tip of the week. That's cool. Um, my tip is, I've seen it online and it's something that I want to try to implement, but I do think, and, and you know, it's called the 222 marriage rule. And so it's every two weeks you go out on a date, every two months go somewhere overnight, every two years go away for a week, stick to the twos and we'll bless your marriage. Um, and I've seen that, I sent it to Danny and, you know, I don't think that every two years you go away for a week because... We'd like to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the other two, yeah. But 
adding these things to our repertoire, I think, can, you know, be purposeful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think having something that you can utilize to say, like, okay, every two weeks, me and you going to go out on a date somewhere, you know? You know, every two months, we're going to go somewhere overnight, you know? Get a hotel. Yeah, that's Danny's favorite thing. Oh, good hotel. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Pregnancy, pregnancy stuff. I'm tired. Um, so for me, I just think that, you know, sometimes you need tools to help you in your relationships or, or and, and help you be purposeful. So yeah, guys um, are helpful. So I do think that having some type of marriage rule or dating rule, relationship rule, friend rule can help you be purposeful, you know? And again, this doesn't have to be only a marriage. If you have a best friend once a month, me and you got to get up together. You know what I mean? Once a, or every, once or every two months, we're going somewhere. Or you know what I mean? Whatever it is to help you and your relationships thrive, mm-hmm. utilize to, it to stay connected. Stay connected and and not keep it mundane and boring and you know because we get into our our groove, we get into our set, and it's easy to be comfortable. Absolutely. So. And I definitely I love the idea and. Of going away, especially because there's just a different feeling you have when you're not home. Because even when you come home, you feel like, oh, I gotta put those dishes up. Oh, there's that load of laundry in the washer. I gotta move to the dryer. Oh, there's, you know, it's, or again, I don't know if I'm speaking for, for both of us, but I know for me, like sometimes it gets, like, unless the house was like 100% pristine, everything is in this place, the place for everything, everything is placed, that it's sometimes not always but sometimes it's difficult to like not let your household responsibilities because they're looking you dead in your face kind of consume you or take over you know and so that's why i like the idea of like hotel stays the weekend hotel stays because it's out of sight out of mind and that way you can really focus and be more intentional on spending time with the person that you're with so that's how i feel but that's a good one i think we both have really good tips this week i win I think we should call it a draw. My show, I win. Your show. Yes. Your show. You're just a guess. Anyway, sir. This time in the show is where we go over our black history facts because we know that we celebrate black history every week on the black on the black on the Lovers Quarrel podcast. So, um I'm gonna go first. All because, right. Yeah. So mine is Dr. Peter Murray Marshall mm-hmm. was installed as president of the New York County Medical Society and became the first black person to head an American Medical Association unit on May 24th, 1954. Dope. So, you know, uh, like I said last week, and, I, and I'm going to keep saying it, black people still, regardless of all the adversity that they were dealt with and, and, they, and they endured, they were still successful. Still our eyes. You know, so it, it's just, you know, it, it speaks to us and it speaks to, you know, they could have been like, it's way too racist. I'm not going to have an opportunity, but you know what I mean? They they moved forward. So um, I, I love he- hearing and, and reading and seeing these things because it, it just reminds me that like they didn't give up. So you can't give up. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're going to be. 
and maybe not me and you specifically, but like there are people that have are born are living now and have yet to be born that are, are going to be the trailblazers and the the, the leaders that in a hundred years they look back on and like, oh, these people made it possible for us. So we have to make sure that we sustain and we keep that going by honoring and acknowledging the people of the past and then also doing the work to meet, to continue to push the barriers and break down the barriers and push the, the envelope in order to, you know, find equity and equality in this cruel ass world. Um, my fact is that on May 24th, uh, two th- not 2010, May 24th, 1910, Walter M. Hard, a young black barber, was in, uh, had invented a device that would improve trolley car service enormously. Hard's device, which he patented, made it almost impossible for the electrical contact on top of a car to slip off the overhead wire. This would eliminate many wasteful delays trolley car riders would suffer when the contact slips and the car stopped dead. So think San Francisco, which is the only place I can think of right now that has those trolley cars. He invented the device that made sure that the trolley car stayed on the active cable so that way they wouldn't have to end up with um, the car, the trolley cars stopping dead in the middle of the street and people not being able to get where they need to go. So what might seem like a very small thing is a huge um, you know, accomplishment and is still utilized in some capacity to this day. And it was in 1910 by a black man. So shout out to Walter. Um, and that is our black history facts for this week. We hope you enjoyed them. And we have now reached a part of the show where TJ does his damnedest to uh, stump me with his SAT word. Do you have your word ready for me, good sir? I do. This week's word is Cicerone. Cicerone. A guide I... who gives a guide who gives information about anti oh my gosh. Spell that word. A N T I Q U I T I E S. Antiquities. Antiqui- uh, antiquities. So like antique items. And places of interest to sightseers. Okay. So like a tour guide. Let me make That's sure it's true. pronounced correctly. Oh, I put it on. Cicerone. Cicerone. What did I say? Cicerone. That's yeah. not that. Not that terrible. Yeah, but no, because I don't want none. Nah, because you stump. I don't want you to be like, oh, you didn't pronounce. You it might right. get me this week because I have actually never heard of that particular word. I love when you do that. When you preface, that means you don't know it. That's. What I just said. I know, but that means that you truly don't know it, and you're you see you do it as like a. It's a tell. It's kind of like your safety blanket. It's kind of like I know I'm smart, but I'm gonna say this so that way you know that I'm smart. I just don't know this word. Well, that's because ahead. I have I'm I'm humble. I'm not no, gonna. That's I'm not, not humble. That is humble. I feel mm. like if I'm I'm acknowledge I am mm. acknowledging that I don't know every word, and so I'm just I'm prefacing myself by saying like yeah I've never heard of this. You word. got it, sis. Because like what what would I look like coming out of the gate? You'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna spell this shit right, and then I'd be like, la- like there's not it's, like, there's nothing worse than being loud and wrong. It's one thing just being wrong, being loud and wrong. That's true. Is like I, to me, that's just I can I respect mess- that. Yeah. So um, so Cicerone, and it's a, a like a guide who sh- helps people find tour antiquities and what places of interest to sightseers. Cicerone. Dang, and it's like. Sound so it could be a C or S. 
Shout out to my uh, my sister Ashley for giving me that word. Uh, this is unsurprising because Ashley is a very intelligent woman and knows her words. You're and she's a bit. I'm not intelligent. I'm not saying that she's not. You're not intelligent, but she knows. She's better with words than you. That's crazy to me. Go ahead. She's a bibliophile. And I think that was a word you gave me in the past, too. All right. Ciceroni. Um, oh, C-I-S-S-E-R-O-N-I? The shriek is broken. Oh, by how many letters? You fucked that all the way up. Oh, I spelled it phonetically. C-I-C. Okay. E-R-O-N-E. Okay. Yeah, I see. Like I said, S the, the, the sound is C or S. So, And then Ciceroni could be I or E at the end of a word. Cut that ass. Well, with an assist, a, ha- oh a heavy assist. Gosh. But uh, yeah, you can have it. I thought it, I thought it, I wasn't even a, a heavy assist for real, but you got it. It's a heavy assist. She gave you the word. She yes, yeah, that wasn't a heavy assist. Like it was just I was it telling was her. Assist. I was telling her I was looking for a word so I could stump her, so I could stump you, and then she was like, "Oh, you can use this word of the app day," and the word of the day was Cicerone. Okay. No s's. Okay. Well, now, I bet you I won't forget it. You know what has an S in it? Loser. <laughs> <sighs> I was going to say something, but never mind. No, go ahead. Speak your mind, sis. No. Sis has S's in it, too. So does Lisp, nigga. <laughs> too far. <laughs> too far. That's-, that's, what you, that's what you're about. This is why I don't. This is why I don't say mean things. Because when I say mean things, then I'm told I'm going too far. No, that's cool. Y'all, y'all would not believe. You, you tell, you describe it because you're facing that way. So we're recording, and Tatum, she just had her, she just had her her dinner, and then she decides to come sit on the stairs. She looked at us, angry, and then she laughed because she know what she's doing. So now she's just playing. Now she's giving us a show, and now she disappeared. So yeah, you know, now it's time for your for you guys' favorite part of the show, as Danielle would say, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. The quarrel. All right. But before we get to the quarrel, listen, shout out to my guy, Reek. Yes. Jack in the Box is coming back. That was a great time. It really was. And I'm going to miss it because I will be away when it's happening so maybe it's, i'll catch the fall it's in july it's in july so I'll, i won't be there and i'm but all pregnant y'all if you're not afraid of covid um hopefully you're vaccinated or or, or or you're vaccinated and you want to be a part of something that has great vibes good music good music but that's a part of vibes good, and good drinks which is part of vibes yeah I mean, again, it's only Jack Daniel products, but it. I like Honey Jack. I like Apple Jack. Shit, I even like a Jack and Coke. So, listen, go to the OG Black Man page, or you can go to the 
four good brothers, mm-hmm. the, and then number four, good brothers. Um, and there will be the link and everything that you need to be able to go. But listen, 61 days until Jack in the Box return. And it's going to be on July 24th um, in Brooklyn, New York, 1709 Street, Marks Avenue, next door to Clean Right Center from 5 to 10. Make sure you click the link in their bio and you go get your tickets. And that's my type of party. Starts at 5 o'clock, over by 10. Beautiful. But that's that makes me so sad because like we went to that we went to the one and it was like November, so cold as shit. But it was so much fun. Yeah. And um, like and I feel like you know you know you're having a good time when you like we went to Brooklyn in like the dead of winter and had a really amazing time in this spot and the music was great and that was the same weekend of our live show I think. And we went to that first, I think. And then the next day was our live show. And it was just, it was amazing. And I... It gave me like high school vibes. It did. It really did. It was like did. high school, school party. Up on, dancing on boy, with boys on the wall. And, you know, yeah. just... Freaking on some butt. It was a good time. It was definitely a good Getting time. Getting a dub, as they say. You know what I mean? So support, support that. Again, if you, if you feel comfortable going out... Um, I'm pretty sure they'll they'll have social distance measures and all that stuff. But then again, New York is about to open back up, so it is. But folks, please just remain vigilant and remain safe. COVID is still for, out for, there. I, I think wearing the mask it help, right? Because then you really can't see the person's face. So you should really just. I mean, it's just about the vibe. You can't even be like, is this person ugly or not? So, ladies, make sure you freaking. You know what I mean? Make sure you throw that butt on them. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Fellas, make sure you're being responsible out there. And then and then step away six feet and ask to see, make sure they got a nice grill. Nah. You know, teeth are important. I feel like you're taking a shot. Right I'm now. not taking a shot because I feel even, like you're taking a shot. Even even before even before you lost your tooth, <laughs> like we all agree that like if somebody had like a fucked up grill, like you'd be like, ooh, like I mean, things happen. But, but they had a good personality. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions, but I mean, the, the 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 body and the heart are attracted to what they are drawn to. They're drawn to what they're drawn to. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Now we can go into the quarrel. Go ahead. So as all of you know, TJ and I are expecting a, another bundle of joy and a thought that I thought we could talk about and maybe we might have differing views on is the thoughts fears, excitement, concerns, whatever, about um, what what it is to have ex- be expecting another child in your family, but it's a child that is of the opposite sex of the one you currently have. So we have our beautiful Tatum, and now we are going to have a son. So, you know, while there are things that are going to absolutely be, you know, cookie cutter and the same in the sense of, at least maybe in the very beginning, hopefully, um, there's going to be a lot of things that are different in our approaches as well or how we handle things. And um, I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about that as far as like what has crossed our minds of the concept of raising a child that is a different, the different, the opposite sex of the child that we already have. Um, so do you have any like immediate thoughts or things that you've thought about since yeah, finding mean, out it's a boy? I mean, I kind of look at it a, a little differently. I mean, my thing is every child's gonna be different, and 
I'm not big on putting expectations because as we learned with your first pregnancy, you had expectations of not getting drugs, not having a C-section and all the other stuff. And then it happened. So I, I don't know. I just, whatever God gives me, my, my only thing that I worry about is, is, is he going to be healthy? Mm-hmm. Everything else will figure it out personally. I'm not like, oh my God, it's going to be a boy. And what this, like what that's going to look like. Okay. Personally. That's fair. And I, I hear you with that. I've, I've probably had more thoughts, but I tend to overthink. You do. Um, and especially with things that feel somewhat foreign or unknown to me. So I've had like, I've had thoughts about like, okay, you know, I mean, in general, like regardless of the sex, I would say this, regardless of the sex of this child, it was going to be like, damn, this is a whole new person that we have to get to know. Their personality could be just like Tatum's or they could be the polar opposite of Tatum and or somewhere in between. And, you know, it's, it's the thought of getting to know someone at that level of intimacy. Like, you know, a parent knows their child and thinking like, sometimes I'm like, can I, can I know him as well as I know her? And I know it's true. I know I will, but it crosses your mind or crosses my mind. I think about, you know, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I do have I'm glad, let me say this, I'm glad we found out the sex of this child because I think that I have, I'm a little bit more apprehensive about having a boy in the sense that I'm less familiar with that experience. Like I grew up around more like girls in my family, so I feel like I had a better grasp on it. And then I also like as a, as a girl, a woman myself, I understand that side of it, so there's that part of me too that's just like, hmm, I'm like, what things am I going to face that may come up simply because he is a boy versus a girl? And so like, and will I be, you know, prepared, equipped to handle it? And again, it's just, it's just like kind of like anxiety talking. And I, I recognize that, but that, you know, the, the fucked up part about anxiety is that even though part of your brain is telling you you're being irrational and don't st- stress it or don't sweat it, you also sometimes can't shake that feeling. Um, I, I've had to, I think as each passing day goes between the day we found out and the day that he arrives, I will be like more and more in a better place with it. And I will... Like, and I feel like I know, once we, he, once he's here, like a lot of those like worries and anxieties will kind of just melt away and I will just take everything as it comes. But what is your worry, I guess? Or what is your fear? Um, I think it's, I think it's more so like, it's a, it's like a fear of the, a little bit of the unknown. Like there's, there's a, there's a, there is a, a an unknown factor to me anyway in having a, a boy versus having a girl because I, I am now accustomed to a girl a daughter and so they and like i said like i i acknowledge that like they're like as far as the way we parent like there's going to be a lot of overlap with that because that's just because that's just you and i but i'm not gonna be able to yell at him i'm like not my baby no i'm not gonna be like that not my baby no i'm definitely not gonna be like that that's that's dead like Whatever energy you give Tatum, you better give him too. 
or you or don't give either of them that or you you see some both so i would never but, do something like that but I, i'm just i wouldn't be like on some like because you like, weren't this nervous with tatum you weren't like what kind of mother am i gonna be or what's the sex gonna like i i think i was i was a little nervous but i think that was also like the is it because, because we, it's a boy some of it is. I think it's because I think there's like I said, like there's a little bit of an unknown factor for me there. So that's that is, it's like, and and it, like I can't I I can I mean we will we'll never know because of the order in which our children came. But if it was the other way around, like I could be sitting here saying the same thing if Tatum was a boy and now this baby was a girl. You know what I mean? And I I've always said like I when I when I growing up everything else like that I've. I've never been like I don't want a boy or as far as like or anything like that but I've only ever really been able to wrap my head around the con- the idea of being a mother to a girl but that's simply I think has to do with a lot of how I grew up because it was just my sister and I and so I I saw that it was that was the dynamic in my household whereas two daughters so that's the thing and I mean I don't know if you've maybe had had Not anymore well my point being is like you and it's you and your brother. So maybe, you know, you, I don't know if maybe when you, when Tatum arrived, you were like, were there aspects of, okay, so I do overthinking and you do underthinking and that's, that's, we can balance that out or, or you, you sound like you're getting defensive. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be defensive. And it's not a a thing of you're right. I'm wrong or anything like that. No, I'm I'm definitely not feeling that way. I didn't have, you were just, I did I was just excited to be a parent. I, I have no expectations for what I want Tatum to, to be. Like, I want her to really live her own life. So I, I just want to give her the tools and stuff like that. But I don't I don't want to plan my child's life. I don't either. You know what I mean? Even though I'm having a son, I'm not going to be like, he has to play basketball. He has to join a fraternity. He has to be an alpha like his father. No, I, I want him... You know, yeah, of course. And I know, like some people, like it's like, well, you're naming him after yourself. You know, I've heard people say like they wouldn't name their child after them because they want their child to have to build their own whatever or be their own person. But my thing is, he's just the third version. He's the third person with the same bloodline. Name that, but whatever he does is what he's gonna do. Yeah, I mean, a name, a name is just a name, and like I know we've talked about that before, and it's like while that was not. It's not something that I, I naturally gravitated toward when I thought about naming my children eons ago or whatever. I can respect the 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 meaning the 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 meaning that it has to you in him being the third and you know being Trey and all the other stuff like that. So it's um, yeah, but I mean, I guess maybe it's not a quarrel or whatever. It's just a really different. It's just it's just a different side of things. I do have these thoughts. I do have like anxieties about it or whatever. And it's I'm just learning to be like okay with them and to sit with them, but also like to not let them consume me or anything else like that. Because I do know it'll be better once he's here. Because then all that other stuff will come out the window. And like even when people talk about like, oh, do you feel like more uh, cause that's, that was a question that I got a lot when, because since we didn't find out what we were having when we had Tatum and then we did find out this one, they were like, do you feel 
I, I and I wondered it myself. I was like, would there be a level, a greater level of attachment or feeling to the baby while like they're still in the womb and knowing the sex versus not knowing the sex? And I can still, I, I feel like more, more so than not, the answer is kind of the same because I still. I haven't seen him. I haven't held him. Same thing with Tatum. I haven't seen, I didn't see her. I hadn't held her. So it's like, I feel like he's moving while we're recording and stuff like that. And while it just, you know, it feels like, it's like, I know it's a baby and I know it's this human that me and TJ made. And it's, it's like cool. But then it's also like, I still don't know who this person is. I don't know his personality. I don't know if he's going to be a crier, if he's going to be a chill baby, if he's going to sleep through the night, if he's going to love science if he's gonna love basketball if he's gonna be a lakers like it's all these things that it's still like you know it's all these like variables that you start you don't have an idea yet so that really like those are the, the little tiny things that make you love a person and of course like just laying eyes on them you know like having tatum of course affirm for me like this instant love at first sight and I am anticipating that feeling again when I lay eyes on him. But I can be honest in saying, like, I didn't feel that feeling with Tatum, that intense, overwhelming love until she was here. And, and I you're think, saying that's because you didn't know? No, what? No, because when people people have asked me, did I feel? Do I feel a greater connection now in knowing that we're having a boy? And that, like, being able to say he and being able to say our son and all that stuff like that. Whereas when we had, when I was pregnant with Tatum, it was like the baby, baby buyers. You know, like there was a little bit. It was more vague. So, did they? See, people have asked me like, do you feel a different connection or a greater connection? And I guess my answer is, if I had to like give a percentage, I would say I would still be a more majority of like the level of connectedness I feel is the same as when I was pregnant with Tatum, which is like, I feel this connection. It's like this human I'm growing inside of me. I know I love them, but that like intense, overwhelming, like, you know, almost like looking at them in awe, like, oh my God, this human is here. They're mine. That part doesn't, for me, as a, I guess as a person, doesn't really hit until they're born. I mean, that's fair, I guess. Yeah, and so, but so, so right now you're saying you you don't you don't love your son. That's not what I'm saying. I'm asking a question. No, that's not what I'm saying. Of course, I love him just like I loved Tatum when she was growing inside of me. But the overwhelming, like mama bear, like like complete wonder and amazement and awe feeling that I got that I did not get until I had Tatum, I'm in that same kind of stage now, which is like, I don't have like the wonder and awe and everything else like that because it's like, I'm going to need to see him and hold him, I think, in order for that to like, to, for me to make it over that threshold. And that just lets me know that knowing the sex or not knowing the sex really isn't a deciding factor for me. It's just about being, seeing this person that I'm growing, meeting this person that I'm growing. Because right now he's a baby inside of me that is kicking me in the bladder every 10 minutes. But it's not this it's not this person that I'm like looking and looking at and they're looking at back at me, you know, and, you know, learning that that's OK. But, you know, I'm I'm learning to to like honor and like name my fears and my anxieties that I might have. I had them with Tatum. They're just, and I have them now, but they're just different. Like I had more. So like when I was pregnant with Tatum, I had more like 
I feel like just new mom anxieties. And now these anxieties that I have now are more like, okay, what does it mean? How will it be different in raising or having a, raising a boy versus having and raising a girl? I know that they will be certain things that are just completely like, it doesn't even matter. It's it's just the kid and that's it. And then I know that there's going to be differences. And so it's going to be an adjustment, but uh, I mean, definitely will. I mean, I, I'm definitely, I think I'm like nervous. I, I am nervous in the sense of like starting over. Oh, I'm about to say, I was like, you're not nervous about having a boy. Oh, yeah. why, why, why would I have been? I know. I thought you, that's where you were going. And I was like, no. no, I was like, not at all. But you're nervous about starting over again. Why are you nervous about starting over again? Because it's like, you know, Tatum wasn't a lot, but she wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, she was a pretty good baby. Yeah. And we may get, you know, like you had a really good first pregnancy, but your second pregnancy was tougher in the mm-hmm. beginning. Like, is that going to happen? And then we... You know, we're in COVID, and then we also have to worry about, you know, Tatum's going to be starting pre-K next year, and mm-hmm. I have, you know, anxieties about that. Not anxiety, but that's, it's, fear. Yeah, that's the fear and anxiety. You know, they're like kissing cousins. Like, they they want to, um, they go hand in hand, and that's normal, and that's natural. And I think the thing is, like, I'm even glad that we're, like, having this conversation now because, you know, sometimes I don't want to feel like I'm like burdening you with these my thoughts because I know I have I tend to have a lot of them when I'm worked up about something or I'm thinking overthinking something and I know that that is I don't want to be like unfair to you but at the same time I don't want to like completely shield it from you either because I don't want it to be like if I like god forbid I like like had a meltdown or something like that then you're like well this is coming out of left field and it was like no I've felt this way for a while but whatever you know what I mean so like I'm glad that we're having this conversation in kind of a a neutral space of course of sorts even though this is our choral segment because it makes me feel better in saying that like yeah I do have anxieties about having a boy I do have anxieties about having two kids you know I have anxieties about how Tatum and her brother are going to like how Tatum's going to adjust, right? I'm going to have anxieties about how you and I adjust because one kid is a lot and can be a lot and two kids definitely could be a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that all just depends on the dynamic and things like that. And then, like you said, we've got COVID. So, you know, that's the thing. TJ and I have had the conversations about what our visitation policy, I guess is the only way I can think of it, is going to be. And we're, we're, you know, preparing to communicate that out to our both of our families. So that way anyone interested in visiting us and understands what we're looking for in order to do that, because we have to think about, you know, ourselves and we have to think about our children. And, you know, I'm in a position now where I'm weighing the options around getting vaccinated before I give birth, because I do plan on getting vaccinated one way or the other. But I, you know, and having conversations with my obstetrician and doing the research and things like that. So when I get to the third trimester, there's a decision I have to make. And these are all the things that like being a parent in general is like already like these are so many things you have to think about. And then being a parent in the in, a, in, in the middle of a pandemic is as another layer to all of the things you have to worry about. Because, you know, when Tatum was born, of course, it was like, well, I can't take her up to my school to visit my kids and my co-workers until she's at all her shots, until she's after eight weeks. Now... It's like, <laughs> it's like now we got to worry about all of that plus, you know, COVID. So, you know, I, I think 
And I, I don't know. I think I, I'm not saying that anxiety is like a great thing to have, but I think sometimes thinking about these things helps you sometimes prepare for them too. What do you think? Say it again. I was like, sometimes even though like I tend to overthink things, I do think that sometimes thinking about some of this stuff is helpful in being like prepared. It's kind of like you're, I feel like sometimes it also allows me to be like, to strategize or to, to kind of anticipate things that might come up. And I was saying, do you think that that is true? It could be. Okay. So I, I, I get it. Again, I can see how this is like a more of a one-sided topic of me kind of talking through things out loud in front of you versus... I mean, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, it, and I just thought, I, it just, helps me know what what you're going through or what you're thinking. And so, I, you know, so that way I, I'm not dismissing your feelings or anything like that. But my thing is, don't worry so much about the things that you can't control. I agree. But I also say, like, you know, that's the thing with anxiety is like... It literally is worrying about the things that you can't control sometimes because it's it's a it almost feels like a it almost feels as reflexive as like a reflex like you can't even necessarily shake it but that but talking about it helps me and talking about like talking about it with you talking about it with my like close friends who are you know who have especially like those who have children and stuff like that um you know it just it just makes me think about a lot, you know. And I still I'm also like on a on a I'm not gonna say a lesser or smaller note, but like I have my moments too where I just which in general of like this pregnancy and this process and the idea of having you know another child come into this world and like my dad not being here, you know. I sometimes I get weepy and emotional about that because even. At the very least, even at this time in in my life when I was pregnant with Tatum, my father was here for this, you know? Mm-hmm. He was there when she was born. He was there for my mother, first Mother's Day. He was there for, you know, her first few months of her life. And now this time around, it's like, you know, in the physical sense, he's not here for any of that. And even the fact that he's this is a boy, it's like, you know... My dad was a boy, so it was you know. There's that that aspect to it. So it's just that thing that makes me you know, it makes me miss him more. Our our son is due in towards the end of September. My dad was born towards the end of September. So there's like a lot of that like similarities. similarities there. So it's it gets hard to shake that feeling sometimes. But I'm glad that we kind of talked about it because I was like worried a little bit about like you know. I guess I was like worried about like stressing you out or like I don't want to say confusing you, but like you being like where where is all this coming from? Why are you like why are you tripping? You know, because sometimes I trip, but I don't know. It just feels nice to that be able to be able to kind of say this stuff out loud and like like I'll let me to say this to all you guys because you can't see T but like you know there's no faces me and I just, not that he always does that but like there's not a look of like confusion on your face because it's like I know that sometimes you don't mean to like look like sometimes you when you don't understand you know what I mean like you genuinely don't understand so you look confused and so it's nice to like have you look at me and just kind of be like you hear me you know what I mean does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
So I appreciate that. Um, You're welcome. Well, that really wasn't much of a quarrel, was it? But we can have we have a little bit more time, so we might be able to squeeze another one in. Do you want one? Do you want to? Sure. What's what do you have? All right. So another topic, <laughs> kind of like we're going all the way from birth and child babies to uh, a little bit older. We're talking about school aged folks, and the scenario is. Who is accountable when a child is failing or I'm presuming school, of course, or is not meeting success. Let's say that not meeting success in some capacity. Who is accountable when a child is failing or not meeting success if the child lives primarily with one parent over the other? So I did an obscene amount of talking for that last quote unquote quarrel. So I will let you take that. And what do you think? So the child is not performing up to par and they, and they clearly in this case, the parents are not together or they're not cohabitating together. So if the child is primarily with one parent over the other, who is the account? Where does the account? How do you split the accountability? Is it 50, 50? Is it 70, 30? Is it a hundred zero? Um, I think every relationship is going to be different. So it just depends on how they're rocking. I mean, it should be a 50-50, but sometimes it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. It depends on, on the circumstance and what, what you allow or what, you know. If, if the two parents can't get along, mm-hmm. then, you know what I mean, they may want to be, that the, the one parent may want to be there, but the other parent is blocking them or making it difficult. So they're not there, but now, you know, if the child is successful, that parent would be like, it's because of me. But Mm -hmm. if the child is not successful, then it's like, you know? Yeah, I guess I would need like, I would, I guess I would need like greater context. So like if this was you and I, right? And we weren't together and one of us has primary like Tatum is living primarily with one of us over the other and she's not meeting success while being under the same roof absolutely has like a head packs a heavy punch as far as like the routines the influence the the like this is what the, the 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 job is when you're in school and stuff like that I wouldn't completely absolve either of us like if you know if it was you who had her more more than I did or me I wouldn't absolve but either that's what I said. Yeah, like but that's what I would I said, need to based know based off of their connection. Yeah. One thing that me you agree on, I believe, is that mm-hmm. if we weren't together, what's best for Tatum is gonna be the one thing that we will be able to meet in the middle and always um, have like the open lines of communication on. Yeah. yeah. Like it's that's true. It's about her. So if she failed, it would be both of us. It wouldn't be a She's with Danny more, so it's Danny, or she's with TJ more, so it's TJ. Yeah. That's that's a different situation. Yeah. But if I'm not allowed to be in my child's life, or if I'm not given the opportunity, I hold some of it because it's still my child. But if you block me, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily so, an even split. But I still I think that there's like if there's a modern, I mean accountability has to go 
both yeah. ways always and it's like yeah i don't think it would be a thing of like oh yeah this is like 50 50 our fault but especially if there's like poor communication between two people when it, when it comes especially like if you can't communicate even for the sake of your child or your children it's a thing of like then while i don't think that the ownership is split down the middle i do think that it's still shared in to some degree because directly let's say the parent that's like the primary custodian of the child is is um not following up with them enough and making sure that they're getting what they need to get done done in order to meet success or to pass or whatever that looks like but then maybe on the non-primary custodial parent it could be like a thing of the the the, the if it's a commu- like the communication issue right because it takes two to tango so it's like the the that part could be the thing of like contributing to the the detriment of the ch- the child right like or to the, the the lack of success because like I refuse to talk to you or I don't want to not even I refuse to I don't want to talk to you or I'm avoiding you or whatever so like that adds insult to injury I guess is what I'm trying to get at but you know and again depending on the age of the child some of the onus maybe maybe needs to be split three ways like some of the onus might fall on the kid like if we're talking are we talking about a fourth grader or are we talking about an 11th grader because that makes a difference too and I think that that's like you know there's some ownership that needs to be taken there as well because depending on again depending on the age of the child because they understand like I need to do this I need to pass I need to get B's whatever the, you know with our vibe to just pass simply pass in order to make it to the next level then that also needs to be something that they need to get done. And if it's not something that they want to do, then they need to come up with, all right, well, what this is, this is what I want to do instead. But yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess with that one, it's still shared. It's just a sliding, it's a shared accountability, but it's a sliding scale of and who gets the majority. Who but holds even the majority. if not, people are going to have their own perception of what it is regardless. So. Like people are gonna see their situation and how I looked at these people's situation is gonna be different how you look at it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So people are always gonna have a sliding scale of yeah. who's more accountable. I mean, and most people are not gonna say, "Yeah, that was me. I fucked up." Like they're not gonna be like, "Yeah, I I didn't do enough," because perception is reality, and everybody thinks that they're doing probably sometimes more than their their share of of the you know the the work or the effort and stuff like that when really it may not be that way but even in the event that it is nobody's perfect you know even even if you put to the side this particular like scenario that we were you know presented with even when you and I who are together like there are parenting styles and choice style choices that you and I make and behaviors that Tatum exhibits, which you kind of talked about last week or week before last. And there's ownership that you and I have to take on as, and, and being responsible for Tatum and being her parents. But depending on what it is, it might be me having to take more ownership of that. And then depending on something else, you would have to take more ownership for your contribution to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we aren't trying our best. It doesn't mean that we're not trying to do right by her and we ultimately trying to do right by him when he gets here. But 
it's a it's a thing of how do we talk about it how do we compromise right with my relationship tip how do we bring it back to bring put our cards on the table so that way we can come to a fair compromise and how do we do better because what I will say and I feel like I'll end on this note is when people come together to have children your what's best for you stops being the the priority for really I mean quite honestly it's for forever but especially in the formative years. If you're talking about 0 to 18, 0 to 21, I'm not saying you lose yourself in being a mother, or you lose yourself in being a father, but the thing is is like ultimately the children you have did not ask to be here. So it's your responsibility to make sure that the decisions that you make for them, with them or with them in mind are what's the best case scenario for them and not just what you want to see happen or what's going to make you look like a good mom or dad or what's going to make you feel less like uh accountable you know so that's just kind of where my head is at with that what do you think i agree oh look at that so not much of a quarrel after all this episode, but I think we talked about some important things. We kind of had covered, like I said, we went from babies to school age with some of these topics. And I think that that's important because niggas is going through it. Well, all right, y'all. Here we are. Thank you for being patient with us and us being a little late with the show, coming out a day late. But we're still giving you all the things and we hope that you enjoyed it. Um and, you know, let us know your thoughts because, I, you know, I know for one, I felt like I was being pretty vulnerable this episode. So I would really appreciate it, any feedback that anybody has. Um, and I'll try to follow up with folks on Instagram and Twitter about it. But, um, you know, this has been yet another episode of Lover's Quarrel. You know that you can find us on Twitter at Lover's Quarrel 7. You can find us on Instagram at Lover's Quarrel Show. And you can email us your feedback, thoughts, headaches, heartaches at loversquarrelshow at gmail.com. Um... Folks, make sure you go see the OG Black Man or the Four Good Brothers Instagram pages to get more information on getting tickets to Jack in the Box this summer. I'm super jealous I will not be there. Um, But as always, this has been yet another episode of Lover's Quarrel. And you know that I am your girl, Danny. And I'm your guy, TJ. And we fuss. We fight, but we we love. love. Bye. Bye. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye.